This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hey, everybody, it's Scott Pinyard, head coach of This Naked Mind, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions. So this month, we've been talking a lot about change, and, you know, that makes sense. I look out my window here, and I see a lot of change happening. Actually, I'm not even going to look at my yard um, ooh, because I have to rake it, um, but... Uh, we wanted to address some questions that people ask us about change, uh, some common questions that come up. So I went through our question bank and I pulled out four questions that I think uh, I, I see a lot from people who who are going through this change of going from you know drinking to moderating or drinking to alcohol free. Um, and I want to address those very directly because they're really common questions. So here we go. Question number one. Hi, Scott. I'm working through the material, but one thing is really bothering me. All of my friends drink, like 100% of them. I feel okay that I can be around them, but I'm worried. Does this mean that we'll grow apart and I'll lose them? That's a fantastic question. And, you know, it's something that I was very worried about myself. Um, you know, I found when I kind of looked around when I was when I was thinking of quitting drinking uh, and everything I did was revolving around alcohol, right? All of my, you know, going out to the bars, uh, anytime I went out to dinner, if I had just had a buddy over to watch a football game, um, it was, you know, alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. Um, and yeah, sometimes it can feel like this is the glue that might be holding you together. Um, so d the direct answer to the question is your relationship with them may change. However, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so I have some tips. I have some things that might be able to help you as you go through this process. First and foremost, give yourself permission to change. So I think one thing that happens to us very often is we think, oh, well, I want to quit drinking, but I want to be exactly the same person. Uh, and I have a question about that later on in the episode. Uh, but, you know, I want to quit drinking, but I don't want anything else to change. That's fine. And that can be what you want. But if you move through this process and you start to feel uh, some dissonance around that, if you start to feel like, man, maybe I don't like this as much as I thought I did, feel free to let it go. Let yourself grow. So change in a relationship is inevitable, right? I mean, you have two independent human beings who are going through life on their own. They like each other, um, but they're going to grow at different rates and at different times. And chances are, if you think back to, uh, you know, elementary school and who your best friend was in first grade might not have been your best friend in second grade or a week later even, right? Um, and so this is because we're growing and changing so much. And the same thing happens in adulthood. I think that a lot of times it gets scary because some of these people we've known for a long time. Um, so here's a couple things to keep in mind as you're going through this process. First and foremost, do things outside of drinking. So uh, I live in Portland, Maine. There's a ton of coffee shops here. Um, so I suddenly started inviting my friends for coffee earlier in the day um, than we used to go out to the bars. Um, that was really helpful for me because I was able to see like, oh wait, I can still have a connection with this person um, and it doesn't have to be at the bar. Um, and, you know, doing other activities. So maybe it's coffee, maybe it's going for a hike, you know, doing the sort of things that are not centered around alcohol can help you stay connected with them um, even when you're going through this. Second is have a conversation with them. 
So a lot of times uh, we're embarrassed, right? We're embarrassed about this idea that we're trying to quit drinking. And so we try to do it. We try to kind of hide our head and just do it ourselves. Um, and here's what happens, right? When we start going through this, no one knows. And so we keep getting invited out to the bar and we might be uncomfortable with it and we're acting weird and they don't know why. And it just gets very confusing. So just be upfront, right? Particularly if they're close friends, just say, listen, you know, alcohol wasn't serving me anymore. So I just decided to quit, but I'm here anyway. I want to hang out with you, right? Putting a name on it and being very specific about, yes, I'm quitting drinking, but you know, no, it doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out can be really a huge relief. Um, because a lot of times when, uh, we look at, you know, the people that we're around, um, when we quit drinking, if they drink as much as we do, it's kind of like holding up a mirror to them. Right. And they will suddenly say, well, Scott quit drinking, but I keep up with him when I go out to the bars. Does that mean I have a problem too, right? And it can force them into this, this cognitive dissonance, which you can dispel by just saying, here I am, I wanna be around you. Um, I don't care if you drink, but I'm not going to. Um, so being direct about it and being open with it can go a long way. Um, next, what I would say is allow yourself um, space to think about things, right? Allow yourself the opportunity um, to maybe miss a night out at the bar. It's not the end of the world. Um, and if you do end up going out, uh, which like, you know, I go out plenty with people um, and they will all order beers and I'll order my <laughs> seltzer with lime and uh, you know, I'm there. And the fact is I wanna be there with those guys. Like I wanna engage with them. Um, now, I don't stay out as late as I used to um, because there's a certain point when they're drinking when I'm like, I'm good um, and I let them go out and have fun, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything, right? Because I'm making up for it in those other times that I get together. So changing the way you connect, being open and honest with your friends about what you're doing and what your expectations are can make a huge difference in this. Finally, and and this is a, this is, this is a, an interesting one. Um, you know, as time has gone on, I've found that I do still hang out with these friends, but I've made other friends, right? So as I've grown as a person, um, I've connected with and been, you know, been uh, gotten together with people um, that I wouldn't have before because I would have just stuck to my my group. So you do have that friend group. You can absolutely keep in, uh, hanging out with them, but keep in mind the fact that there are a lot of people out there um, and there's a lot of people that you can meet and start a relationship, start a friendship with alcohol-free, um, which could be completely different. Um, and the fact of it is, you know, I am, I don't want to say closer, but like I'm close in a different way with the friends that I've made since I quit drinking than I am with my drinking friends. Um, and that just has a lot to do with what we've been through together. So be open to new relationships. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of the old one. It's just more friends to hang out with more often. Um, so I hope that helps. I know that it's a little bit worrisome, but trust me, you can navigate through this in a way that is gonna keep you comfortable with the decisions you're making with your old friends and the opportunities you might be finding with new friends. Um, great question, by the way. Question number two, I'm bored. I can't seem to figure out what to do with myself. It occurred to me that I just don't know what I even like to do anymore. Why is that? And what should I do? 
Um, awesome question. So uh, there's some science behind this, right? So as time goes on, uh, we start to um, like alcohol over other things. And this is what happens, right? So, uh, you know, you let's take some some common things that people like to do, right? Uh, maybe going to a movie, maybe relaxing, you know, with a nice bath, um, having sex, being with friends, whatever it is, right? These experiences in our lives that give us pleasure and make us happy. Um, as time goes on, alcohol starts to reset your threshold for um, having an enjoyable experience. Um, and pretty soon as it moves that threshold up, right, which you can only achieve with artificial stimulation from alcohol, those other things that you used to like just don't seem that great anymore. You know, they just don't seem that engaging anymore. I have a great example of this from my own life. So, you know, I grew up playing and listening to a lot of music. It was a huge part of my life. Um, I was involved in, you know, playing different instruments. I was engaged in, you know, I just, I loved it. I loved it. I had constantly had music on. I always had it, you know, a CD in my car, which I guess I don't really have anymore, but uh, you know what I mean? Like it was all the time. I was into new music that was coming out, all types of music. It was such a big part of my life. But I started drinking when I was 18. And within a few years, it was starting to kind of, you know, music was just like, eh, you know, I could take it or leave it. Um, and, you know, at the time I thought, well, you know, I'm graduating college, I'm getting older, like maybe, maybe I'm just growing out of this phase, right? Maybe I'm just growing out of, you know, playing my saxophone or playing uh, the guitar and like that's something that, you know, I just don't, you know, I'm growing out of. It was a phase. Um, and it stayed like that for like 10 years. Um, and then when I quit drinking, um, I remember very clearly the day that it happened. I was, you know, I had, there was a song on and I was like, yeah, all right. And I started to feel that old feeling, right, of really enjoying music and the emotion that was attached to it. Um, and so I followed that um, and I found, oh, wait. I do like this all again. Um, and, you know, it was later when I read the science about how alcohol numbs not just the negative stuff, but also the positive stuff for us, that I realized what had happened. You know, alcohol was limiting my enjoyment of music. Um, and so I was, I was, I was just not listening. You know, I wasn't engaging with it anymore. And shortly after that, I picked it back up again and I've been more involved than ever with it. Um, so why am I telling you this? Well, the reason I'm telling you this is that a lot of people find themselves in the position that you're talking about, right? Being bored after quitting drinking. There's really two main things. The first is what I what I talked about there with the idea of the things that we like to do um, seeming to have lost their luster over time. And now it's like, well, what else is there? Um, and the second thing is that we gain so much time when we quit drinking. Right. If you think about the amount of time, it's not just the amount of time you spend under the influence, right? It's all that time ahead of time when you're trying to figure out how you're going to get alcohol and what it's going to look like and what are you going to tell people and do I have enough at home, right? It's all the plotting and the scheming. Obviously, then it's the time spent drinking. It's also the time spent you know, under the influence. It's also the time being hung over. And so when you look at how much time, how much space alcohol was taking up in your life, it's amazing. You know, and when you think, all right, I now have this amount of time to be either be more effective at the things I need to do or to try different things, 
it can be very overwhelming, particularly at first, right? When we first quit drinking, people tend to not go out as much and just kind of like stay at home and just, you know, just kind of get their sea legs underneath them. Well, if you're doing that, plus it feels like you have an extra 20 hours a week, which that's when I added it up right around where I came to was 20 hours a week. That's almost an entire extra day of time that I had in a week. Um, so what do you do? Yeah, it's no surprise that you feel bored. The first thing that I recommend people do is go back and look at those things you you like to do, you used to like to do. Um, that was such, the, the music thing for me was such a big surprise. I was so happy to be able to get out and experience that again. Um, that's one thing to look at. Another thing to look at, um, and, oh, and by the way, that can be, you know, that can be music, that can be crafts, that can be exercise, that can be reading, you know, whatever that thing was. Um, if you something you used to like to do and you've kind of fallen out of, now's a great time to get back into that. Um, the next thing is to look at that list of things you've always wanted to try, right? New things, different things. Um, you know, for me, it was an exercise program that I did and I ended up competing in a couple, uh, in an event uh, with it. It's called rucking, right? I got out and I was on the road and I was, you know, putting on miles like crazy. Um, but again, you know, that was something that I wouldn't have tried while I was drinking. And now that I wasn't drinking, I was able to do it. Um, and I got out, I met some new people. It was fantastic. Um, and then the next thing is just to at, look around, look around at what people around you are doing um, and see if any of that looks good. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Um, as grownups, we, we really, we spend so much of our time working and engaged on our, you know, with our families and our careers. And it seems like, man, there's not a lot of time. But when you are suddenly gifted, and it is a gift, all of this extra time, it's like, what do I do with it? We're not used to like, trying to come up with ways to spend our time, right? Most of us are trying to come up with ways to save time because we feel like we have too much stuff to do. So when you suddenly have a bunch of time, um, it feels weird. So look around, you know, go to go to a hobby store, go to a craft store, uh, look at what your friends do. I mean, one of the things that I picked up in this entire thing was knitting, which is, that was the last thing I ever thought I would do. I love it. Um, and I did that because I literally looked to the other side of my couch and there was my wife knitting and I was like, I think I want to try that. Um, and so be open, you know, be open to those other experiences. The one thing I can say, that can really help with this uh, entire thing is just let yourself experience a bunch of different things. You know, I mean, look at this, like I said earlier, as a gift. This is an opportunity to try these new things. This is an opportunity to engage with things that will make a huge difference for you in your life. Um, so that's uh, that's that's my best advice. But yeah, just get out and try things. Um, there's so many opportunities there. You have a lot of money and time saved up from not drinking. Now's a great time to uh, explore some, some activities that might be good for you. So I hope that's helpful. It's a great question. A lot of people find themselves in that position. All right, question number three. I'm really worried about a wedding I have coming up. There's a lot of tradition around drinking in my family, toasts, shots, buying each other drinks, etc. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that. Help. Um, great question. So, you know, I get this a lot, right? That there's this idea of the social contract or familial contract we might have, right? You're at a wedding, the best man stands up and does a toast, you know, the maid of honor stands up, you do a toast. Um, and this is the question that I always ask people uh, around all of these sort of traditions is what is the important part of that, right? Is the important part of that that you are there 
and engaged that you're one of the people raising, hopefully, yeah, that's hope, raising your water bottle, um, or is the important thing that what's in your glass is alcohol, right? Or is it that you are drinking the same champagne as the bride and groom at a wedding situation? Um, and, you know, and the answer is obviously the tradition, right? The part of being there and all of these things, if you look at them, right? So this idea of a toast, the toast is to celebrate someone, you don't need alcohol to celebrate someone. You know, the thing of, you know, buying someone a beer, right? That is not about what's in the glass. What it's about is, hey, I'm talking to you. You seem to have run out of whatever you were drinking. Let me get you another one because I want you to be comfortable, right? Because I want to give this to you. So it literally doesn't matter if it's soda water or vodka, right? It's the act of doing that that's the tradition, right? That's the tradition of like, we're taking care of each other. Um, shots is a little different, right? Shots really is a direct a connection to alcohol, but it still is about doing something together. You know, my tribe in the path, uh, which is our year long coaching, uh, coaching program, um, it was hilarious when we did our uh, we did our yearly um, live event. Um, they sent me a picture, and it was all of them sitting around a table. It was about twenty of them with shot glasses, and I'm like, "What is going on?" And they were doing pineapple juice shots. Right? They were having the fun experience of doing this together and drinking that, um, but it wasn't alcohol, right? And again, it was a communal experience. It was it was about being together and celebrating together. And so what I the reason I'm telling you all of this is if you can take this idea of tradition and reframe it around what's actually important in that tradition, right? Is it the champagne or is it the fact that you're holding it up? Right? If you can work on your thoughts around that, then you can have significantly less dissonance going into the evening, right? Knowing that, uh, hey, I am mindfully here for the bride, I'm mindfully here for the groom, or whatever sort of event it is, um, that you are there as a part of the family to help celebrate whatever milestone it might be that someone's celebrating. Um, it really is interesting when you start to think about it and break it down, how many of these traditions really are about being together. It's not about the booze. Um, and when you look at it that way, it can be much easier to, to go through, you know, an event like this that might have a lot of those sort of, a lot of those sort of, uh, traditions. So I hope that's helpful. Um, you know, you're not going to get the room to stop doing it, but I don't think you would want to anyway, right? The important thing is to change how you're approaching it so that you can be there and have a good time. Um, awesome question. All right, I am on to the last one. And here it is. I'm feeling like there's a gap in where I am emotionally. It's almost as if the last 20 years of drinking has stopped me from growing up, quotation fingers. Um, is that possible? Or am I being whiny? <laughs> I love that. Am I being whiny? Uh, it's absolutely possible. As a matter of fact, a lot of people experience this. Um, and if you think about it, it really makes sense, right? So if we want to use the term growing up, right? What does growing up really mean, right? I mean, obviously we're physically larger. Uh, we might grow beards, right? Um, but what does it actually mean when we say someone's acting like a grown up? Well, what we mean is they're acting like someone who can take on responsibility and the challenges of life. They're acting like someone who can weather the storms that you know life inevitably throws at us. And if you are growing up physically, but meanwhile continuing to drink for those storms that come at you, you're not learning how to deal with those storms, 
right? You're not learning how to deal with work stress without alcohol. Um, and alcohol is really insidious. And so what can happen is maybe you, like in my case, I had, um, you know, I would drink when I was stressed out for school. Um, but then that transferred right to drinking because I was stressed out about moving to New York when I graduated and then stressed out about my job and then stressed out about this and then stressed out about that. And it goes on and on and on. I didn't face those challenges with a naked mind, right? I didn't face those challenges without alcohol. And so I missed out on those opportunities. Um, you know, Annie has something that she says regularly, which is growth happens outside of our comfort zone. Um, and when you look at what happens when we get stressed out, when we get challenged at work or financially or however that might be, um, we find that it's those times when we're outside of our comfort zone, when we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling anxious and we still have to take action, that's where the growth happens. But if we're constantly numbing, if every time we get outside of our comfort zone, we're numbing ourselves, well, well then we're not being outside of our comfort zone, which means we're not growing. Um, and so all of that is a very long way of saying, yes, it's entirely possible that that's happened. Now, there's really good news. Um, as you let go of alcohol, and start confronting these things head on in your life, um, you are going to experience leaps in growth because it's not like you're back to 18 again without all of the other experience you've had in the world. Yeah, maybe you didn't pull all of the lessons from it that you could have, but that's the last 20 years have still been there. Um, so the good news really simply is, um, you know, there are gonna be times where you're gonna have to confront stress and we're keeping in mind this idea that, all right, this is putting me outside of my comfort zone. This is putting me somewhere where I need to engage with um, with these problems on my own and that, oh yeah, if I'm uncomfortable, that means that I'm growing. Um, so yes, this happens a lot. Um, you know, for me, I can tell you, very specific things. It was work stress. I had no idea how to deal with that. Um, it was financial stress uh, and it was stress from having kids because <laughs> kids are great, but they're also noisy and they don't always listen and they make a mess, right? Um, so I, I had to learn how to navigate that without alcohol and that is growing up, right? That is taking, you know, taking responsibility for where you are, recognizing, hey, maybe I don't have all the tools for this because, you know, I had one tool uh, that I used for 20 years and now I've got to figure out some other tools. But being aware of that, giving yourself the grace there to say, all right, I'm learning how to navigate this. Um, and then getting outside your comfort zone and growing, that is such a gift that you can give yourself on this part of the journey, right? One thing that I see all the time, and I love this, right? That first year after people quit drinking, it's almost in a lot of cases, like they're a completely different person. Um, so much growth happens, so much stretching happens, so much um, time outside of our comfort zone happens so that we end up in a place where we're, I don't wanna say unrecognizable, but I mean, just so much, so much changed from, from that day one. So that is absolutely part of the process. What I will say is give yourself time, right? And give yourself the space to explore it. You're gonna make mistakes, which by the way, you were gonna make if you were drinking. The reason that you're gonna make mistakes is simple. You're a human being. 
right? And you're figuring out your way uh, in being outside of your comfort zone. But the more of these mistakes you make, uh, the more times you confront a situation and it either goes the way you expected it to or not the way you expected it to, the more you grow, right? And that's what this is all about. So you're at a very exciting point in your journey, right? This uh, idea that um, you're, you're recognizing that you have to grow up um, is fantastic. And I think it's something that's really going to engage with you and make you, uh, make you really happy. Um, so Pay attention to it, journal about it, write about it, give yourself the forgiveness, uh, give yourself the grace of recognizing, hey, I'm learning how to maneuver here um, and it's gonna be awesome. But fantastic question. It's Like I said, it's one of my favorite topics. All right, everybody, that is it for me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Coaching Questions. I will be back next month with another episode. Um, I hope you're all doing great and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Are you ready for a deep dive and truly lasting change? If so, you might consider my intensive program. It's a nine-week self-led program that you can do in the complete comfort of your own home, and it will truly transform your relationship with alcohol. If you want to learn more about this, go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash intensive. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.